the title of my message is Unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Everyone say, Unto the Lord. Now, before I preach, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm going to holler back what? That's real simple. That just means when I preach, you holler back. Come on with it. Let's go. Preach that. You give God a shout of praise, something. You cannot stand there and look at me like, that is awesome. No, it's not awesome. It's scripture and shout about it. All right. So excited about that. So y'all don't be looking at me like that, even though I won't be doing too much hollering today because I'm on assignment. So as I was praying, I feel like God's put this word inside of my spirit. He loaded it up. And the cool thing about this word is this word is for Radiant Church. God told me that this word would benefit everybody inside of this building. That if you would take it, if you would open up your heart, you would leave better today. Amen? Amen. All right, let's jump into the word. So, as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. And what that simply means is the way you live, the way you act, the way you think, the way you process, everything you are to do in life should be as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord, that's the place that God wants to get you to. That's the place that God wants you to grow to. That's the place that God wants you to go to. He wants you to go as unto the Lord. And my question for you is, what were you created to do? What are you called to do? What is your purpose? What is your assignment? What is your why? Why are you on the earth? Why are you breathing? And so many times we become like robotic machines. We get up. We feed the kids. We throw the bottle in the kid's mouth. We change the diaper. We put the kids in the car. We put them in the car seat. We take them to school. Praise God, these kids are done. We go to work. I hate you, 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 all y'all. We do our job. I hate you some more. I hate you some more. I hate this job. I'm quitting. Oh, I got bills to pay. And we do it again and again and again and again and again. And my question is, why? Why? What's the point? What's the point of you living? Why are you still here? Why didn't you go out when COVID-19 swept through our nation? Why are you here? The most important two days of your life is the day you were born and the day you knew why. You have to know your why. And many people are quitting. They're giving up. They're on alcohol. They're on drugs. They're blowing their brains out. They're killing themselves because they don't know why. And I want to tell you something. If you know your why, you can endure any how. If you know your why, you can endure any how. And you got to know why. Don't just know what, know why. Because the what is a bird, but the why is the fly. The what is a fish, but the why is the swing, swim. The what is a monkey, but the why is the climb. What is your why? The why of humanity is to have dominion. So God said, when I created you, I created you with dominion. You're to dominate the earth. You're to dominate sin. You're to dominate bondage. You're to dominate shame. You're to dominate fear. That is your why. Your why is to be an ambassador of Christ, to be a follower of Christ, to be a pupil of Christ. And everywhere you go, the presence of God shows up. That is your why. And you have a specific why. And you have to understand something about your why. When you have your why, the reason you do your why is for God. It's not for people. It's for God. And if you keep living for people, you're going to die by people. If you live by people's acceptance, you're going to die by their rejection. Something you got to understand is never let a compliment go to your head and never let criticism go to your heart. I don't do this for man. I do this for God. I don't do this for you. I do this for God. I don't parent for you. I parent for God. I don't love because of you. I love because of God. I didn't forgive you because you deserved it. I forgave you because Jesus deserved me to forgive because he forgave me. Everything I do, I do as 
unto the Lord. I'm going to preach this gospel as unto the Lord. I'm going to praise God as unto the Lord. I'm going to reach a lost and broken city as unto the Lord. I'm going to bless God, bless you, and bless everybody that comes in contact to me as unto the Lord. I don't do this for compliments. I don't do this for pats on the back. I don't do this for notoriety, nor Facebook or Instagram likes. I do this for God. And my question is, what do you do it for? What do you do it for? Do you do it to be seen? Do you do it to be famous? Do you do it to be recognized? Or do you do it for God? And we have to get back to the basics in the church. We have left the basics. We left the basics. We left the foundational thing. If you go to a football field, there's a lot that happens on the football field. There's big guys, people hitting, people tackling, people running in spandex and tights. It's a lot of stuff happening on the field. But you got 6'6", 300-pound men. They're fighting. There's jerseys, shoulder pads. There's noise. Thousands of people. There's hot dogs. There's mascots. All of these different things are at a game. Thousands, if not millions of dollars are spent. And it's all about a little pig about a foot long. It's all about the ball. You watch where the ball goes, you run where the ball goes, you tackle where the ball goes. The main thing is the ball. And with all those thousands of people and all those millions of dollars and all of those seats and all of those referees and all of that grass, if you took the ball out of the stadium, nothing happens. Because the ball is the main thing. The ball is the basics of football. You cannot have a football game without the ball. You can have one without Tom Brady. You can have one without Ray Lewis. You can have one without Emmitt Smith. But you cannot have a game without the ball. It's the main thing. It's the principal thing. It's the basic thing. And we've left the basics of Christianity. We left the cross. We left Jesus. What God convicted me of. He said, I said, God, what's the word for Radiant Church? He said, you guys have left my presence for my practices, which means you're so busy working for me, you forgot to spend time with me. You're so busy telling people about me that you forgot to let me tell you about me. You're so busy in the presence of man that you forgot to come to the presence of God. And God was saying, you got to go back to the beginning. You got to go back to the basics. You got to go back to your first love. When you started this faith thing, you started it because you needed to know me. You started it because you didn't have no breath to give. You started it because you was weak. You started it because you was shaken. You started it because you was up to here with yourself. You couldn't take it no more. You didn't want to live no more. And then you met me. And when you met me, everything changed. When you met me, you experienced my presence, my love, my warmth, my kindness, and my grace. You remember that place you met Jesus at? Maybe you haven't. But you remember that place you met Jesus at? When you was lost, when you was broken, I remember me. I lost everything. I lost my car. I lost my friends. I lost everything. And I met Jesus. And I remember in that moment, he was all I needed. Like the song we sing, I just want to be with you, God. I don't, I don't need Instagram. I don't need Facebook. I don't need money. I just want to be with you. And it's like we get in the church, and Jesus is not the main script. He's the footnote. He's the footnote. We come to church, and we do church so well, we forget about Jesus. And it's the Mary and Martha complex. One of them, one of them was so busy setting up and serving and getting everything together for his introduction that they forgot to speak to him. And then another one didn't clean, didn't prepare, didn't do none of the, the, the ritual, sacrificial things for God. But they sat in his presence. And Jesus was pleased. 
Friends, don't leave his presence. Don't leave his presence. You have to know your why. 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 And in this season of destiny, in this season of purpose, you have to know why you do it. So um, if you have your Bibles, go to Zechariah chapter 4. And I'm not going to preach long. I'll be done in a few. Zechariah chapter 4. You guys enjoying it so far? Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. Or some translations say the day of small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. To, so, so, let me stop there. No, no, I don't even need to read no more. Don't despise the day of small begin, beginnings. Because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. See, in your destiny in your purpose, in your calling, in your assignment, in what God would have you to do, you can't despise the day of small beginnings. See, many of us never see your call. We never see your purpose. We never see your manifestation. We never see your assignment materialize because you're afraid of small. You're afraid of small. And the reason why you're afraid of small is because you don't have faith that small can turn into big. You don't have faith that lesser can turn into greater. You don't have faith that God can take a small thing and do a big thing. So we despise small. We're afraid of small. God's calling you to do a Bible study, but I only got one person now to come. God is calling you to start a business. I only got a couple of customers. And we get afraid and we talk ourselves out of the will of God, the assignment of God, because a small you know how many things God told me to do for Radiant Church? And I'm like, God, we're too small. But God said, don't despise the day of small beginnings because as you're faithful being small, I'm paving a way to make you big. As you're faithful being small, I'm paving a way to make you big. And also in being big, big is not about you. Big is about God. If you want to be big, something's wrong with you. Because there's a pride, there's a motive there. You should never desire to be big. Your desire should be better. And if you got better, you would get bigger. Your desire shouldn't have a big ministry. Shouldn't be to have a big business. If you want to mentor kids, it shouldn't be to have a lot of kids. You should want to be effective. And if you're effective, God will make you bigger. But how can God make you bigger and give you more when you despise less? Why would God make you a leader in the church when you see that broken person every Sunday and you don't pray for them? Why would God make you a leader and you don't take no one to lunch? Why would God make you a leader when you don't help nobody? Well, you know, Pastor KJ gave me a position, then I'll help somebody. Maybe if you help somebody, Pastor KJ will give you a position. See, see, we don't see destiny because destiny is, de destiny is in disguise. Destiny is in disguise. People miss their purpose because it's trapped in a disguise. Everything attached to your destiny is in a mediocre, obscure place. And your motive is bad. So when your motive is bad, you say, oh, I'm not going to try hard. Oh, I'm not going to give it my best. I'm not going to give my best stuff. I remember I used to do that with Facebook. The Lord got on me. He said, post the videos, post the videos, post the videos, post the videos. Lord, I only got 5,000 followers. Some of y'all like, I got two followers. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, I don't really want to post my videos because this is like my good preaching material. And I don't want to post my video because 
I'm not big. No one really knows me across the world. I don't have this huge extravagant name. I don't want to post my best stuff. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you need to post your best because if you don't post your best, your best won't get better. If you don't post your best, your best won't get better. And many of us in this room, we're waiting on the right time, the right place, the right opportunity to give our best. And God is saying it's never the right time to give your best. The right time to give your best is right now. And if you gave God your best with three, God will let you give your best with 3,000. If you gave your best with two, God will let you give your best with 200. God said gives your best where you are now. Be faithful and small. Be faithful. You want to learn how to preach? Grab two people and preach to them every week. And preach the two like it's 2,000. And you will come back in a year and you'll be better than you ever dreamed of. Because you don't get better by the size of the room or the size of the crowd or the size of the opportunity. You get better by the demand you put on yourself in every opportunity. God, I'm going to bless you if it's two. I'm going to bless you if it's 2,000. God, I'm going to bless you in the dark. I'm going to praise you if no one's looking. I'm going to praise you if everyone's looking. God, I'm going to give you a crazy praise because I'm not praising you because of them. I'm praising you because of you. I'm praising you because you're worthy. I'm praising you because you're enough. Give God your best now. And we don't see destiny. We don't see purpose. Now, some of you guys are like, I don't know my purpose. The reason why you don't know your purpose, I'm going to give it to you right here. Here's your major key. Here's your nugget. Type this in your phone. Write it down. You don't know your purpose because you're slacking in what God has given you now. That's why. And, and for somebody out there that's a little schizophrenic and making decisions, you're like, well, what if I gave my best and this ain't my purpose? If you gave your best and this ain't your purpose, it will be the thing that leads you to your purpose. I'm going to tell you how I got into Pastor and Radiant Church. It all started with a Bible study of two people. I went in that Bible study. I, I, I prepared my sermon. It took me 62 hours, over 14 days, 62 hours. There was two people there. I came in there. I'm talking about back in the day, you, didn't have, you couldn't wear jeans and a jacket. I had a suit on, a tie on. I was at the college. There was two people. I prepared for 62 hours. I preached everything I knew. I was in Mark, Matthew, Hebrew. I was all 1 Corinthians. It didn't make no sense. I preached the whole Bible. I was, and, and God made Adam, and I was over in the book of Acts, and 3,000 was saved. I was all over. I towed that room up. Those people sat there for an hour and 20 minutes. I was like, we're never coming back. You are hell. We'll choose hell. But I gave it all I got. We started having Bible studies with five and ten college kids. I would go in there and I would preach like I was literally about to die or they was going to die. Why? Because I don't do this for them. I do this for God. This is as unto the Lord. I'm serving for God. I'm praying for God. I don't give for the church. I give for God. No one loved me at the church. I'm pulling my offering. Pull it. The church don't need it. But you need it. You need it. You have to do it as unto the Lord. Let me give an example. This week, I stayed up 34 hours. No sleep. 34 hours. And the reason why I stayed up 34 hours is... I assured one of my customers, I own a screen printing board business, uh, by the way, and I assured one of my customers that I would have their order to them Saturday. I assured them. I said, 
No, guaranteed. And it wasn't due to the following Saturday, but that's could they get it early. I said, yeah, I assured them. So um, I started on it in the evening uh, on Friday, and I talked to the customer Saturday morning. And the customer was like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, I'm working on your order right now. And they was like, um, man, you, you been working overnight? I said, yeah. They was like, go home. Like, you got a new baby. You got a family. Like, go home. I don't want you to work no more. Stop. We'll get it later. Go home. Go home. Go home. I don't want you doing this for me. I don't want you doing this for me. I don't want you doing this for me. I said, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some Jesus in it. I don't even like you that much. <laughs> I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for God. God gave me this business. I put my word on it. I said I'll do it. And if I got to stay up two days, I'll stay up. If I got to go the extra mile, I'll go the extra mile. Why? Because I'm not working as unto man. I'm working as unto God. I'm telling you, you at that job, you give your best. I don't care if your boss treats you different. I don't care if you're not paid as much. I don't care if you don't get as much hours. Why? I don't work for you. I work for God. Yeah, I may work at this place, but I work through this place. I work for heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. Give God a 10-second praise break. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Do it for God. And in church, if you're going to serve, serve for God. Whatever you do, do it for God. If you're going to parent your kids, we don't need to see all that on Facebook. We don't need to know how great of a dad you are on your Instagram pic. Do it for God. Do it for God as unto the Lord. And in the church, there's so much political things that happen because we left our first love. Church is not about Jesus no more. It's about what position I can get. What title I can get? Oh, man, I didn't get this. Oh, man, what do you do it for? What do you do it for? Do you do it for money? Do you do it for attention? Is it for fame? Or is it for God? Whatever you do, do unto the Lord. And what you got to understand is your assignment is to prepare the path of Christ. That's it. You are here so people can know Jesus. That's it. You're not here to get a nice car. You're not here to get a nice house. If you do, great. Come pick me up and give me some Chick-fil-A. But you're not here for that. You are here to show people Christ. That's what you're here for. And I don't have a lofty way of saying this because it's a very simple message. You're here to show people Jesus. Uh, If you have your Bible, Matthew Chapter 11, verse 1. It's talking about John the Baptist, and he's one of my favorite people in the Bible. It says, Now it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you coming? Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? John's in prison. He heard about the works of Christ. And he said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you've heard and see. The blind blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Let me give you some background about John. 
John the Baptist was a soldier. He was a Bible gangster. I mean, like, John the Baptist was, like, real deal. Some of you parents may not know what this was, but John the Baptist was a suwu. And I know I'm like... <laughs> okay, I'm just being petty up here now this Sunday. But John the Baptist was like, this dude was the real deal. And literally, Jesus said, there is none like John. He said, there is none like John. Jesus said, John was the absolute best. Which means David, Abraham, Daniel, Noah, all the Old Testament saints. The Bible says there was none like John. They couldn't hold a candle to John. John was separate. None like him. And John was the forerunner of Jesus, which means his, his purpose and his assignment was to pave the way and to pioneer path for the coming of Christ. And he was Jesus' cousin, a couple of months older than him. When, they, when both of their parents were pregnant, uh, the babies leaped inside of the womb because whenever you get close to destiny, your baby will leap. And the babies leaped inside of the womb. And literally, John was OG. He was in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, preaching that gospel. You better not walk out there to John. Black ladies with your wig on, don't get in there, John the Baptist. You getting in that water. You're going to come up. That hair going to stay down. Don't play with John. Don't go to John Street Ministry. I'm telling you, you better see, hey, John, hey, hey, how you doing, Apostle Baptist? I'm going to stay right over here because we know how you deal with that water stuff. Don't play with John. He was ardent and dangerous. You been there, you been like, John, I need counseling. He didn't put you under the water. Don't, don't play with John. John was serious. I mean, he was so great that, that Jesus couldn't start his ministry until he was baptized by John. And John said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus said, yeah, you are. So our righteousness can be fulfilled. Jesus submitted his ministry to John. Let me rephrase that. God submitted his ministry to John. And there was none like John. But, but before the cross, we're, the Bible actually said we're greater than John. That's because the Holy Spirit in us. But in of ourselves, we're not. But before the Holy Spirit, before the, the crucifixion, everybody that's ever lived... There was none like John. He was the greatest. And I asked the question to God. I said, God, why was there none like John? What was it about John that made him so great? What made him so distinctive? What did John have that David didn't have? What did he have that Joseph didn't have? What did he have that Noah didn't have? What did he have that Enoch didn't have? What did he have that Seth didn't have? What did he have that Moses and Caleb and Joshua didn't have? What was it about John? And then God showed me. God said, John had laser focus and laser clarity on his purpose. More than anybody else that ever existed. John never got tossed to and fro by the cares of life. John wasn't worried about what kind of donkey he was riding on. He wasn't worried about what kind of clothes he was wearing. John didn't do it for the ground. He was laser focused on his assignment. He understood that his purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. And when Jesus came, he understood something that many of us never do. And it was this phrase. I must decrease so he can increase. I must decrease so he can increase. He understood that he was a side note. He understood that he was the supporting cast. He understood that he wasn't to be on the main stage. He was to hold the lights in the camera. He understood that he was just background music. He understood that it was not about him. It was about Jesus. And that made John great. 
it made him the greatest. And my question is, do you understand that? Do you understand that your life is not about you? Your life is about Jesus. Do you understand that you're background music? Do you understand that you're the supporting cast? Do you understand that your purpose is the same as John's? It's to pave the way for Jesus. Your purpose isn't platforms. Your purpose isn't fame. Your purpose isn't Instagram. Your purpose is to be a pioneer. Your purpose is to say you're going to know Jesus because of the way I live. You're going to see Jesus when you see me. You're going to know God at my job. You're going to know God and my family, my purpose is to be a forerunner, and I'm, and I'm pioneering the ground for Christ. That's your purpose. And the more you get laser focused and clear on that, the more effective you'll be for the kingdom. Well, you know, Pastor KJ, I don't serve because, you know, I just got to get up a little too early in the morning. So your purpose is about your sleep, huh? God, God, God. God formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you, and he ordained you to sleep you. He set you apart so you can be asleep while the game of Christianity is happening. Dead people are walking in this room, and you sleep? Well, well Pastor KJ, I'm just so busy. I don't really have time for the things of God. You should only have time for the things of God. You should only have time for the things of God. And that's what John realized. He realized my life is not my own. To God I belong and I give my full self away to God. And that is what made John so great. And he was great because he had clarity on purpose. I want to give you clarity. You were created to serve God. That's it. You don't really matter that much outside of that. You don't. You, your purpose is to uphold God. You're like a bottle. A water bottle has no purpose outside of holding the water. You are to be a holder of the presence of God. You are to be a carrier and a partaker of his presence. Outside of that, nothing else matters. So my question for you is, does your life glorify God? Does it? Or does your life glorify you? You're going to have to get real with God. And then Jesus said this. Jesus said this in verse 6. He said, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he. So when John was in prison, John was in prison, and John was going to get beheaded. And when John was in prison and he was going to get beheaded, John lost his faith a little bit. His feet began to slip because he's like, I didn't pioneer for Jesus. I didn't preach for Jesus. I done baptized Jesus. I'm in jail because of Jesus. And then they tell you, oh, well, Jesus is doing miracles. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's doing. And John said, yeah, he's opening up everybody's jail cell but mine. And I'm John the Baptist who's been faithful, who's been loyal, who's fought the good fight, who's finished the race, who's always kept the faith. And they're sinners having their prisons and their shackles broken. And I'm a righteous man and I'm sitting in prison. And John is upset. So John gets offended. And John says, are you the common one or do we look for another? Because I'm in this jail cell and you're not getting me out. So are you the Christ or do we got to find somebody else? Translation, John is saying, if you are Jesus on your throne, why am I on the prison floor? If you're the most high God, why am I at my lowest point? 
If you're alpha and omega, why am I coming to my end? If you're a miracle worker, why ain't I seeing no miracle? If you're a healer, why am I sick right now? If you're a chain breaker, why am I in shackles? And John is sitting in prison, and he can't understand that I've done everything you asked, and I'm stuck in prison. Have you ever felt like you've done everything God asked? Have you ever felt like you've been faithful, like you serve God, like you've done everything he would have you to do, and you're still in jail? And now John is offended. And then Jesus never answered his offense. He never said, well, John, I'm sorry, I can't get you, I can't get Jesus said something so profound. Jesus answered them, and he said, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. And he talked about the blind seeing, the lame walking, the lepsure being cleansed, the deaf ears unstopping, and the dead being raised, and the gospel having, and the gospel being preached to the poor. In other words, Jesus was saying, John, 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 you're missing it right now. Your job was to be a forerunner and to set the stage for me. You've done that. And you've done well. And I know you're in prison. And I know your faith is failing. But the vision of heaven is being accomplished. The blind eyes are being opened. The deaf ears are being unstopped. The leper is being cleansed. The dead is being raised. The gospel is being preached to the poor. John, the vision and the mission is going forth. And your tagline of your ministry, John, was that you may decrease so I can increase. And sometimes that may be death. Sometimes that may mean you stay sick to show a broken person what a believer looks like when they're sick versus a lost person. Sometimes that may mean you don't get the promotion, but you still show the job who got the best attitude in there. Sometimes that means you don't have enough, but you show them what it looks like to live on faith. You show them what it looks like to have God come just in time. The bill is paid just in time. The gas is in the tank just in time. Your kid has clothes just in time. And you show them what it looks like not to live on money, but to live on faith. You show them what it's like to trust God. You show them what it's like to stay faithful. Though he crushed me, though he slay me, yet I trust him. Maybe your storm is a greater story. Maybe your storm is a greater story. Maybe you're going through that storm so God can get glory. Lazarus, if I didn't let you die, how do these people know I'm resurrection? Peter, if I didn't allow the devil to sift you, how do these people know I'm a gracious, forgiving God? David, David, if I didn't let your life fall apart, how does these people know I can restore them? Joseph, if I didn't let you go into prison, how do they know, lo, I'm with them always? Maybe your trial is somebody else's testimony. John, maybe I'm not getting you out that prison because I want the king to see what it looks like to hold your chin up and get beheaded and still not curse God. Maybe that was the end of your assignment. 
I'm telling you, friends, the Bible says the violent take it, and the violent take it by force. You got to take this gospel by force. You got to take Christianity by force. You got to take your faith by force. It's not easy, and it's not for the weak, but God, I'm going to stand on your promise. I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to be faithful in season, out of season. God, I'm going to trust you in the dark until you bring the light. And I'm telling you, so many times we're leaving God, and we're leaving God because we have a bad condition. But God says, in your bad condition, hold your position. In your bad condition, hold your position. In your bad condition, hold your position. Because if you hold your position, your position, you will see my glory. If you hold your position, you will see my face. If you hold your position, you will see my faithfulness. If you hold your position, your position, you will see my hand. Hold it. Don't let it go. Your faith is bigger than you, John. Because thousands of years after your death, we would preach about how there was none greater than John. That he kept the faith all the way to the point of losing his head. They had his head, but they never touched his faith. They took his life, but they never took his faith. And John, you have done well. You have been faithful. You finished the race. John, you got to understand something. I didn't create you for you to live to be 70. I created you for you to set the stage. And you got to understand something. Old is not age. Old is not age. If you're 70 and die without doing your purpose, you were young. If you're 33 and die and done your purpose, you were old. Because God didn't send you here to be old. He sent you here to be finished. He didn't call you to live a long life. He called you to live a finished life. Did you finish the race? Did you finish the course? Jesus had only three years of ministry. And the most important part of Jesus' ministry wasn't even the crucifixion. It was the statement. It is finished. John, when you got beheaded, your ministry was finished. At the cross, Jesus' earthly ministry was finished. It's not about being old. It's about being finished. What are you finishing? What are you finishing? Are you finishing the course? Are you finishing the race? Are you finishing the assignment? Are you finishing what God has for you? Friends, let me tell you something. You were created on purpose with a purpose for a purpose. Radiant Church, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for our church. God is going to use us to reach people that people aren't reaching. God's going to use us to touch people that people's not touching. God's going to use Radiant Church to heal the racial divide. That's why you look around this room and see diversity. God is going to use us to heal the the generational divide that old and and younger worship together. God is going to use us to be a statement in this church. God is going to use us to be strong. God is going to use us to pick up our brothers and sisters. God is going to use us to be a blessing in the community. God's going to use us, and we're going to be forerunners, and everything we do, we're going to prepare the stage for Christ, and we're not going to let it be about us. We're going to be the background. We're going to be lesser so God can be greater. We're going to be lesser so he can be greater. We're going to decrease so our king can increase. Whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly, and do it as unto God the Lord.
Quickly, what are some things that stop us from doing it as unto the Lord? One of the things that stop us from doing it as unto the Lord is comparison. The Bible says it's not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. The reason why you can't compare yourselves among yourselves is how can I compare myself to you or you compare yourself to me and we didn't start in the same place? This week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, y'all, I kid you guys not, I felt like I was depressed because I got on Instagram, I looked at Elevation Church, and I looked at Transformation Church, and I looked at Gateway Church, and I, and I looked at Fellowship Church, and I looked at all the great churches, and I said, God, I know Radiant Church is great. God, why aren't we touching the world? Why aren't we making this impact? God, why? And then God reminded me. God said, quit comparing your behind the scenes to their highlight reel. Yeah, that mom that you admire, that's a filter. In the bad picture, she deleted. In the bad moments, she didn't post about. So you're comparing your bad moments with your kids over her Facebook post that's fabricated. And God is saying those pastors are struggling too. God said, some of these pastors you're listening, they was on their knees praying to me, wanting to quit this week. While you're complaining that you're not as good as them. They wanted to quit. I vi- Some of the pastors you listed, God told me he visited them and told them, don't quit. Keep the faith. Don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight. What you have is what you need. What you have is what you need. What you have is all you need. Where God has you is where God wants you. That job you hate is where God wants you. This church, maybe you hate it. If God got you here, this is where God wants you. And maybe you think, well, God, I can't serve here. God, I can't bless you here. God, I can't work at this place. You can if it's for him. You can if it's for, if it's for God, you can do it. If it's for God, you can endure. If, if, if it's for God, you can get through. But if it's for you, you won't make it. If it's for attention, you won't make it. If it's for accolades, you won't make it. God is saying, why do you do it? Do you do it for me? Do you do it as unto me? God is saying, why? And if you would do it for God, if you would run for God, if you would serve for God, if everything you did was to bless God, you will see the hand of God. You will see the faithfulness of God. You will see the shalom of God, the peace that passes understanding. If you did it because you love God, and you got to understand something. Stories happen in peaks and valleys. Stories happen in peaks and valleys. You wouldn't watch a movie that was, that was linear. You wouldn't watch a movie that was one-dimensional. You watch a movie because they didn't kidnap her. Oh, where was she? Is she going? And then, and then the guy come with the gun, and, and he captures her, and he saves her. That's what our life looks like. God toys with the devil. You look like you had them, but then. It looked like they was going to quit, but then. It looked like they was lost in their sin, but then. It looked like they was out, but then. It looked like they was throwing in the towel, but then. It looked like they wouldn't bless God, but then. It looked like they was out for the count, but then. Devil, don't get excited in the middle because my God is Alpha and Omega. He's beginning and end. And if there's still time on the clock, God's not done yet. He ain't done. 
God's not done with Radiant Church yet. God's not done with your life yet. God's not done with your family yet. God's not done with your marriage yet. God's not done. That devil better be glad I don't have my voice this Sunday. Oh, he better be glad. I'm telling you, devil, pressure will be applied. Pressure will be applied. And it don't have to be with my voice. It's going to be with my life. It's going to be with my prayer. It's going to be with my fasting. It's going to be with my praise. Pressure will be applied. Oh my gosh, girl, Pastor went like straight gangster Sunday. Like, it was like a mixture of preaching and like game banging up there. I don't know what happened and what got into him. Yeah, he was just talking about pressure applied, and he said John the Baptist was a suit whoop. I guess that's because he was bleeding in the prison. <laughs> Last thing I want to say, church, and then I'm going to pray for you. We'll be dismissed. Last thing I want to say is this. Last thing I want to say is where you are is where God placed you. It's where God placed you. And you have to give your best, and you have to be faithful with now, and the faithfulness with now will open the door for next. You've been stagnant. You're complacent. Where you are isn't God's destiny for you. It's not his divine place for you. You have to progress. You have to keep moving. Are you stronger in Jesus today than you were six months ago? Are you stronger in Christ today than you were yesterday? And the truth of the matter is many of us aren't as strong in our faith as we were when we first got saved. We got to progress. And you have to say, God, where you have me now, I'm going to give my all, I'm going to give my best, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. Well, I'm at a job in customer service. Well, I'm going to get my best there. I feel like I'm called to ministry. I got a customer service job. Many of you guys will never, ever know this. I'll never forget this day, and I never told this story to nobody, not even my wife. And I cried like a little baby, so I was kind of ashamed to share this story. It was about 2015, maybe, and I was on Richmond Road at Easy Mart, and we needed some extra equipment to be able to have our campus church. And I was on a money shortage because we had spent everything on it. I went inside the Easy Mart, got some gas. Kind of tough, put five on it. Have you ever been there, amen? Have you ever been there? Put five, I got five on it. <laughs> Not the rest of that, but on that gas thing, right? You ever been there? I'm like, man, I got five on it. I'll be back tomorrow with another five. I just got to get, got to get through the day. And I never forgot, but there was this guy, he was outside. And, and he looked, he was really, really dirty. Like he had a dirty white shirt on. He was, he was really, really dirty. And I remember he was like, hey, man. He was like, I see you be preaching on Facebook. He said, can you pray for me real quick? And in that moment, I was discouraged. I felt defeated. We didn't have enough money for what we needed to buy at this particular time. It was actually microphones. We needed microphones because the ones we had, they used to pop. And I would, whenever I used a phrase that had like P, I'd say power, and it would pop. So I say the pop, a pop, God, pop. And it was just kind of bad. I know it's dramatic. So it was pretty tough, right? So every time I said power, somebody got popped. So, yeah. Um, y'all remember, some of y'all was there. Y'all remember those mics. Um, so we didn't have the money for the mics. I was 
short to be able to pay for it and pay the rent. I was deliberating there. Uh, give my wife somewhere to stay, not. Give my wife somewhere to stay, not. Um, and this guy asked me to pray for him. He was really, really dirty. And in that moment, I didn't feel like praying. I didn't have the energy. I didn't feel like encouraging him. And to be honest, I looked at him, and I perceived him as lesser. I did. It happens. Don't judge me. You do it. And I was just like, ain't nothing going to come from praying for him. Ain't nothing going to happen here. And I prayed for him, and I began to pray. The Spirit of God came. I started encouraging him and pouring into him, and he started crying. And when I got done, he said, hey, um, I want to sow into you guys' ministry. I'll be back. And he went over to his truck, little beat-up pickup truck, and I'm like, okay. He got, he got five on it, just like I put on his gas tank. He got five towards the ministry. That's cool. Walked back, gave me $2,500. $2,500. And I never told anybody that story. And I was just arrested, and I was wrecked by God, and I was crying in the car for an hour like a baby. Because I couldn't believe that something that I saw as insignificant, something I saw obscure, something I saw so meaningless, I gave it my all. God used me to touch him, and God used him to feed our church. This is the same microphone. It's the same microphone I'm preaching with today. God used something lesser to do something greater. And I want to tell you, maybe that job don't look like enough. But if you would trust God with that job, he'll give you a better one. Maybe your ministry don't look like enough, but if you would trust God with that ministry, he would give you a better one. Maybe your family don't look the best, but if you would love your family like Christ loves you, he would grow your family into a better version of themselves. Whatever God is giving you, maybe you don't have a platform to share your story. Use your Facebook page. Yeah, you may get two likes. Post it anyway. Nobody may not see you. Do it anyway. Nobody may not hear you. Pray anyway. As unto the Lord. I don't do this for man. I don't do this for attention. I don't do this for glory. I do this for God.